0: Turn our attention today to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 67. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 67. Luke 1, beginning at verse 67. Uh, from the English Standard Version, there you will find these words as they appear on your screen. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people in holiness and in righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God for God's word from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. And I want to just really quickly just read two verses again. uh, That kind of are the central focus of these verses. It says in verse... Um, 76 and you child will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins amen Uh, for the time that we have together today i'd like to tag this particular text with the topic salvation's song salvation's song Uh, zachariah's song in Luke chapter 1, is the first thing that he says after spending months without the ability to speak. Earlier in chapter 1, the angel appears to Zechariah while he is doing his priestly duty in the temple, telling him that his wife Elizabeth would have a child that would be the forerunner to the Messiah. Because he and his wife Elizabeth were older in age, Zechariah didn't believe what uh, the angel told him. And his unbelief, y'all, caused the angel to silence him, to mute him, to leave him unable to speak until the promise that God had made to them would come to fruition. If we fast forward from the beginning of the chapter down into around verse number 57, we discover that what the angel told him that day as he was going about his duties in the temple did come to pass. A son was born to he and Elizabeth, just as the Lord had promised. They brought the eight-day-old baby to the temple for the ceremonial circumcision, and the people asked what the baby's name would be. Uh, In the tradition of that day, the the father would name the baby uh, after a family member or after uh, somebody that was important uh, in their area. Uh, But Elizabeth told them that the baby's name would be John. John. They didn't think that was right. The folks were like, John, there's nobody among your people who has this name. Uh, they didn't think that was right. So they turned and asked Zechariah, who still was unable to speak at this time. Uh, and Zechariah wrote out that the baby boy's name would be John, and immediately, Uh, His speech returned to him. Immediately, he was able to speak again, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, as we see in verse number 67, and shared the prophecy song that is our text today song itself revolves around the central theme of the coming of the Messiah in the latter part. And in the latter part of the text, it talks about the specific role of Zechariah's son as the forerunner for the Messiah. In verse 67, Zachariah says, verse 76 rather, Zachariah says that John will be a prophet of the Most High and will prepare the way for his coming. The Advent season, y'all, is one of preparation for the coming of Christ. And it would seem that John would be the herald of the first coming of, uh, of which the Old Testament prophets spoke about. We focus mostly on the hope, the joy, uh, the love, and the peace that the birth of Christ signals for us during this particular season. However, equal focus should be placed on what we are going to do now to prepare the way for the second coming of Christ. Uh, In this way, the role of the Christian disciple in 2021 is linked to the purpose of John the Baptist because we are to prepare the way for the return of the Lord. Somebody ought to type prepare the way in the comments right now. This uh, is what Jesus commanded as he was on his way back to heaven. In Matthew chapter 28, you know what it says. Jesus tells us and commands us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever Jesus has commanded. In in the book of Acts, uh, Jesus tells the disciples that they will be his witnesses from Judea uh, to Samaria all the way to the ends of the earth. This is all preparation for the second coming of Christ. The message we proclaim as the disciples of Christ is the message of salvation. This was to be John's message according to the text to give the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins it is important to note here that John was not able to save anyone that was God's work through Jesus Christ he was just to let people know that salvation was available the mistake we so often make as Christians is forgetting Salvation doesn't happen because of us. I know I just messed you up probably a little bit, but you can't save nobody. Salvation doesn't happen because of us, but it comes because of the work of God in the hearts of men and women. We can find ourselves linking salvation to things that salvation doesn't require like church membership or financial donation or ministry participation or denominational affiliation or even political association. But the reality is, y'all, that the church can't save us. How much money you put in the, in the offering plate or that you give on Givelify can't save us. The amount of time we spend doing the work of the church and the number of titles we hold can't save us. Being Baptist or Catholic, Kojic or Methodist can't uh, save us. And Lord knows, being a Republican or or a Democrat, a Libertarian or Green Party member or an Independent can't save us. Only the power of God through God's Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit can save us. And if we are to prepare the way of the Lord, the message that we are called to simply proclaim is that God saves yeah, God God saves. Type that in the comments. God saves. The song of Zechariah is in large part a song about salvation. Throughout the opening verses of the song, the activity of the Lord that is described is the activity of salvation. He opens by saying the Lord has come to redeem the Lord's people. He describes the one that God has raised up from the house of David as a horn of salvation to bring deliverance uh, from the hand of their enemies. He talks about the covenant between God and Abraham as an impetus for God showing mercy and rescuing uh, God's people. This is a song and a prophetic utterance about the salvation that is to come. And as Zachariah's song turns to focus on his son, he sings prophetically in the text, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high for you uh, will go on before the lord and to prepare the way for him uh, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins uh, just as Zechariah prophetically praises, we too must have a song of salvation. We must walk and live with salvation song to let the world know that the gift of salvation is available for everyone to experience. And as we prepare for the coming of, again of Christ, we should be sharing the knowledge of salvation. What then can we learn from the song of Zechariah to help us? As we go about singing salvation song, what does the song of Zechariah, the prophetic utterance of this priestly, uh, priestly servant of the Lord, teach us that we should be sharing about salvation? Well, the first thing that the song teaches us today is that it teaches us that salvation is about being saved from something. Yeah, yeah, salvation is about being saved from something. Somebody ought to type that saved from something. Zechariah. Sings about the enemies uh, from which um God saves and delivers at the first and at first we would think that there was some external force that was coming against the people of God and there is some truth to that Uh, the nation had experienced oppression and bondage and destruction at the hand of various empires down through the generations however what we must consider is not who was doing the oppressing but why these experiences were happening it was because the nation of Israel who was in covenant with God found Itself consistently in violation of covenant relationship that had been established with their ancestors. They were charged to be faithful to God, but that often wasn't the case. It was very possible that the biggest enemy that the people of God faced was themselves. Ooh, that's a hard face, a hard fact to face, a hard reality that the biggest enemy wasn't Syria, it wasn't Persia, but it was themselves. The cycle was repeated time and time again they would be in right relationship with God for one generation. Then they would get distracted by some shiny new God of a foreign nation. Then they would begin to worship this new God alongside and equal to the God of Israel and find themselves facing the consequences of violating their covenant. It wasn't the reigning world empire of the day that was a major issue. The Israelites were their own biggest enemy. If we were to be honest with ourselves, Y'all, we would have to admit today that this is a big issue in our own lives. And oftentimes, it's not other stuff on the outside that's messing us up. But it's that we are getting in our own way when it comes to our relationship with God and how that relationship informs our entire lives. We just keep getting in our own way. We keep tripping up over our own feet. It seems as if for every two steps we take forward we take three steps back. We start focusing on God and our relationships better. Our money stretches a little further and our experience of peace and joy um, comes no matter what comes in our way but it's when things are good that we think that we did it on our own and we forget uh, and forget that God was the source of our success, that God was a source of our peace, that God was a source of our joy and it seems that the more we try to keep our lives together that the worse things get for us. Our healthy relationships relationship starts to fall apart. We begin to chase more and more more after money, but every time we turn around, we have to rob Peter in order to pay Paul. We become upset by the smallest things in our lives and walk around with a frown on our face and depression as our disposition. We can't seem to get out of our own way and recognize that we need some help to restore order to our lives. We try to do the right things, but it seems like wrong wins more than not. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul, this is how the Apostle Paul says it. He describes it like this in the book of Romans. He says, so I find this law at work that although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin and at work within me. Then he asked the question, who can save me from this sin that so easily besets Who will rescue my wretched self from this hopeless battle with sin? Thanks be to God, he says, that Jesus came to save me and to save us all. This is the message that the world needs to know, that there is a God who can save us. This is the meaning of the coming of Christ. It is a chance for us to find redemption and freedom from the vicious cycles in our lives by placing our faith in God through Christ Jesus. No one is too messed up. No one is too far gone. No one is too far beyond the reach of the saving power of God. And just as God saved you and just as God saved me, God can save anybody who calls on the name of the Lord because it's truth is is that we all found ourselves sinking deep In sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard our despair and our cry and from the waters lifted us into the safety of his love lifted us into the safety of his mercy lifted us into the safety of his grace and now safe are you and safe am I listen the bottom line is this that salvation comes to save us from something and that something is ourselves. And if God can save someone like me, and if God can save someone like me, then God can do it for anybody. That's good news today. God can save you because you know yourself. God can save me because I know myself. That God can save anybody. Salvation, it saves us from something. But it also saves us through Something somebody ought to type through in the comments right now. Through something, salvation saves us through something. Zachariah says that his son will give the knowledge of salvation through forgiveness of sin. Yes, right there in the text. If salvation is the answer to the what question, then forgiveness answers the question of how salvation is accomplished. The very essence of salvation consists of the forgiveness of sin. If there was no sin, there would be no need for forgiveness, and in turn, no need for salvation. However, salvation is the method that God uses to address the sin issue that each one of us has in our lives, and the way that he does that is through forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, there are many scholars that... There are many ways that scholars rather use to explain the idea of God's forgiveness of sin. However, the bottom line of their ideas are that God removes from us the penalty attached to the sin into which we are born. God doesn't hold it against us. God doesn't hold it over us. It is important to recognize that our sin isn't just a particular set of actions that are against the will of God. Our sin is an inherent issue no matter what we do. It is never good enough to meet the holy standard of what God has set, for, set before us. It is our very nature that is contrary to the righteousness of God, and it is our sinful nature that keeps us separated from God. This is why the idea of salvation is such a big deal, because there is nothing we can do for ourselves to free us from our sin. The central point of the gospel message is that God did for us what we could not do for ourselves, God has cast out our sin away from us, as far as from the east is from the west. God has placed our sin in the deepest depths of the sea. God has as done as the songwriter said and taken our souls blackened by the stain of sin, dipped them in the red blood of the baby born in Bethlehem and made us white as snow. This is the forgiveness that is available to us all who believe, repent, and trust in God. This is the message that we should proclaim that God saves us through forgiveness of sin. Y'all, friend of mine, a good friend of mine told me earlier this year about an unprobable story of having his student loans from undergrad and grad school paid off. Uh, it was a chance meeting with his employer uh, and his financial advisor that connected him with some donors that saw the work that he was doing in the community that, uh, and through his organization. And they wanted to be a blessing to him and to his family. Yo, I wish you could have been there. As he was telling me this story, I wish you could have seen the excitement in his eyes and hear it in his voice as he was telling me. I wish you could have witnessed the excitement in his feet as he did a dance before the Lord in the middle of telling me what had happened. A huge debt had been lifted from his financial life and he knew uh, he knew it was nobody but God that made it happen. The excitement that existed for him in that moment is the same excitement that we can express because God has forgiven our sins. Yeah. God has pardoned us from the death penalty of sin. God has canceled the debt of our sin for, and never to remember it again. And so when we experience salvation, we experience it through the God's forgiveness of sin. We can dec- declare and proclaim, y'all, that we are debt-free because God has forgiven our sins and cleansed us of our unrighteousness. God didn't do it because we were so good, though. God didn't do it because we were at the right church. God didn't do it because we gave enough money. God didn't do it because of anything that we could have done. It is all because of God's love. It's all because of God's grace and God's mercy that we are forgiven from sin. It's God that did it for us, not us that did it, uh, for ourselves and we ought to follow the uh, advice of the lord and let the redeemed of the lord say so we ought to tell the world that we have been redeemed bought uh, with a price that jesus has changed our whole life that if anybody asked us just who we are that we can declare that we are forgiven we are redeemed we are saved we are pardoned by the power that's found in jesus christ Yeah, yeah, somebody ought to type redeemed in the comments right now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We got to tell somebody that God has kept us and saved us. God has saved us. Salvation comes for us. Saves us from something. Salvation saves us through something. But it also saves us, and finally today, it also saves us for something. Yeah, salvation saves us from, it saves us through, and it saves us for something. While much of Zachariah's song focuses on being saved from enemies, he also points to the fact that salvation helps us by giving us purpose. Yeah, yeah, in verses 74 and 75, he says that we are enabled to serve God all the days of our lives without fear in holiness and in righteousness before God because God has saved us. The serving in the text relates to the idea of ministering and worshiping the Lord Serving the Lord fearlessly alludes to no longer having to worry about if what we do will be enough to make up for the sin in our lives. God has rescued us from our enemies. God, the very things that we were afraid of have been eliminated and we have now no reason to fear. Because God has saved us, we can serve God in holiness and in righteousness. That means this means that salvation brings about a right relationship with God and a right relationship with our brothers and sisters here on earth. This means that salvation not only should have an effect on our lives tomorrow, but it should have an impact on our lives right now. Uh, Y'all, I dare say today uh, that the church has been guilty. Guilty of teaching an unbalanced understanding of salvation, uh, especially in the black church experience. <clears throat> we focus a lot on salvation, securing us a place <clears throat> with, with Jesus in the great by and by. The theology or the God talk around the African-American experience has been about escaping the realities of our current existence to, to the loving arms of God. we we have oftentimes been a heavenly focused people because of the hopelessness of the realities of the times in which we live. Uh, And many times we can be so heavenly bound, y'all, that we're no earthly good. However, the text is suggesting to us today that while salvation is experienced in its fullness on earth, it also, in its fullness in heaven rather, it also enables us to experience some of heaven right here on earth. Y'all, that's good news. Uh, plainly, salvation is about life now and about life forever. It is about having life and having it as Jesus declared in John 10, 10 more abundantly. It is experienced when our life's orientation changes to point from living, to point to living in harmony with God and in harmony with our brothers and sisters. We are saved from the enemy of sin for the purpose of serving the Lord without fear and through right relationship with God and humanity in other words y'all salvation should bring about a change in our lifestyles no longer can we do things our way but we should be striving to make the will and the work of God a reality listen I want to share a story really quickly as we close today there was a lady That was a collector. She was a collector of things. She just collected stuff, all kinds of odds and ends. But in reality, most of the stuff that she gathered, y'all, would probably be considered other people's junk. Uh, She liked to pick things up that were sitting on the curb and on the side of the road, things that were on the trash heap. She would uh, look, she would embarrass her two teenage children by stopping to look at other people's trash. And on one day uh, in particular, she stopped to look at a couch that was sitting on the curb. Yeah, y'all, this couch was in bad shape. This couch uh, had cushions that were dirty and torn. This couch had wood, had a wood frame that was all chipped and beat up. It looked like at some point in time it was some good to somebody but right now it rocked because one of the legs was damaged it had a bad smell and while it was a vintage couch it was an antique couch it was a throwback couch there was no surprise y'all that it was sitting on the curb ready to be discarded it was in bad shape but after inspecting it this lady for some reason decided to have her kids take this old beat up smelly couch and load it in her minivan and once she got it home she went to work y'all she went to work trying to restore the couch she replaced the cushions and the upholstery she sanded and, sanded and restained the woodwork she even fixed the damaged leg and found a way to get rid of the odor that the couch carried the couch went through a strenuous process but finally this lady was able to have a beautiful functional and unique piece of furniture that found its purpose as the centerpiece piece of her living room. And y'all, I just want to let you know that if you haven't caught it by now, that's just what God does for you and for me. That God pulls us off of the garbage heap. That God saves us from the destruction of sin. Then God forgives the fact that we are dirtier and that we are smellier. I know you took a shower this morning, but in God's eyes, your righteousness is as filthy rags. God forgives the fact that we are torn and we broken. God forgives the fact that we are chipped and we are damaged so that God can fix us up. God repairs what's broken. God replaces what's damaged. God cleans up what's dirty. God deodorizes what's smelly. In the words of the old saints, God picks us up, turns us around, and places our feet on solid ground. God changes us, and God restores us so that God can use us to bring God glory and that's the story we ought to be telling during this advent to prepare the way of the Lord. You ought to share the testimony of your life how you was a little trifling back in the day. How you did some stuff you ain't had no business doing. You were in some places you had no business being. That you had some behaviors that you had to get out of your system. But God came and saved you. That God saved you from yourself that God saved you by forgiving you and that God saved you so that you can serve and bring God glory the song of our testimony should be the song of salvation that God has saved us that God has raised us that God has changed us that God's amazing grace found us when we were lost that God opened our eyes When we were blind That God healed us When our souls were sick with sin This is our story This is our song This is why We praise our Savior All the day long Because God showed us God's mercy When God sent a baby Wrapped in swaddling clothes To shine the light Of salvation into a dark world That while we were living In the darkness of sin uh, that God sent his son uh, to be the light of a brand new day. Uh, and now we can do as a song says. Uh, we can walk in the light, uh, a beautiful light. Uh, come where the dew drops uh, of a mercy shine bright. Uh, shine all around us uh, by day and by night. Uh, for Jesus uh, is the light of the world. Uh, Jesus uh, is the light of my life. Uh, Jesus uh, is the light of your Life, and we can walk in the light, we can live in the light. God did it for you, God did it for me, God did it for us, and God can do it for anyone, any weary soul that might be watching today. God can do it for you. You just gotta put your trust in the Lord, you ought to put your trust in my savior put your trust in my jesus we've got to tell the story of jesus and his love and if you're gonna tell the story today if you're gonna tell the story this week you want to lift your hands open up your mouth and give god your best praise yeah that's the christmas gift we ought to be given gift that keeps on giving telling a story it's good we can read what happened in the Bible but we are called to be living epistles we are called to tell our story of how the Lord has saved us the Lord has cared for us how the Lord is not just how the Lord saved us but how the Lord is saving us right now Because that salvation is still flowing right now. As long as the blood is flowing, salvation is flowing. and We praise God today. We praise God today for salvation's song. Come on, won't you pray with me today? God, we thank you for these moments of worship. We thank you, God, for the fact that you thought enough of us to set up this way that we can be saved from ourselves, that we can be saved from our sin, that we can be saved from our proclivities and our vices. God, that you would still want to be in a relationship with us, God. Yes, we are. We we might look good to other folks that are around us. We might look like we have it together to uh, to those who are in our vicinity and in our proximity. But God, you know the truth that we've all got some work to do. You know the truth, that we've got some places where we're struggling. We, You know the truth, God. And we're grateful today that you don't hold that against us, but that you've set up a way to save us from something, save us through something, but also to save us for something that you would still want to use us because you've deposited something powerful in us in this time and in this season. God, we thank you for Zachariah's song, for this song that lifts up the importance of salvation. God, we thank you now. We honor you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.